Welcome to the Radiant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ray, the Somatic Coach, and I'm here to support you in healing your past, living in the present, and creating your future so that you can become the most centered, embodied, and happiest version of yourself. Each week, I'll be bringing you episodes to help you navigate life's challenges, ease stress and tension, and learn more about holistic healing, spirituality, and wellness. If you're interested in becoming the best version of yourself so that you can live the life of your dreams, then you're in the right place. Subscribe to the podcast and the monthly newsletter and follow me on Instagram and TikTok to know when new episodes are released each week. I am so happy that you've landed here. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, If you're new here and you are just tuning in, I'm Ray. I'm a somatic coach and breathwork facilitator. And if you're not new here, welcome back. I'm happy you're here. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. Uh, For today's episode, we have our second guest, uh, Chelsea. She is a couples therapist and relationship expert. And I'm so excited to, yeah, bring her here into the space and just share a little bit even about how we connected. So with that being said, Chelsea, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about you, about your journey, and how you became a couples therapist and relationship expert. Okay, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on your podcast. I feel like I've been following you on your journey from what feels like maybe the beginning. I'm not sure, but it's just been such a joy interacting with you. So I became a couples therapist. It all started what feels like a lifetime ago. I used to be a special ed teacher. And as a teacher, you know, I had kids coming up to me what felt like multiple times a week, bringing me these big mental mental health issues. Like I'm suicidal. I have no friends. I am so anxious all the time. My parents are getting divorced. And as a teacher, I could be a listening ear for a few minutes, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I had to teach them math or I had to teach them English. I had to do whatever. And I could send them off to the school psychologist or whatever, but they were busy too. And they had their roles to fill. So that's what really got me into starting to think about going back to school, leaving teaching and getting my master's and becoming a therapist. And then as I was doing, you have to do so many internships to become a therapist as I was doing my internships. And it's so cool. You get to watch other therapists do therapy, which I think is just almost like a sacred experience just to be able to watch that. It's so cool. So as I was doing that, I got to observe someone who was an excellent couples therapist and it was one of those experiences where you're just like, I need to do this. Like, this is what I need to do with my life. And you could just, I could just see this, this couple that I was observing at the time, they had been in therapy for like a year and they had excellent skills. And really they probably didn't even need to be couples therapy anymore. It was kind of like a security blanket, but just, they were kind of telling me their story of where were they at when they first came in and all they've learned and how it's changed their life, improving their relationship and how it's improved their kids' lives and improved the whole family's mental health, having a more stable marriage. And that was just kind of the beginning of it, seeing that and realizing like, okay, this is it. This is how I help the kids and the families. And 
heal the world is by healing all these marriages. And so that's what got me on my path. And it's just been a passion since. Always try to learn more and become a better couples therapist. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so amazing. Yeah. So it's like you were kind of on your your path of being a teacher to start and then realized there was like a another need and it was kind of like calling to you, it sounds like. And then through kind of going back to school and I know what you mean where you're able to observe other people in their craft. It is pretty cool. And you learn a lot from it. You get a lot from it. And that kind of led you to becoming a couples therapist where you are today. That's so exciting. I love it. Yeah. 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 It's been such a beautiful journey. Yeah. And I've loved um, just seeing like all of the content that you put out and all of like the offerings that you've been able to create. Like I feel like it was maybe it was like a year ago now that we originally connected um, through social media on Instagram and we just kind of have been supporting each other ever since. So it's been amazing to just kind of like see how you really like ran in this direction of working with couples and with relationships and with relationships specifically, even outside of being a couple, but just relationships in general, it's like so important for us. There's so much um, that happens for us in that realm so even if like you're not currently a couple or if you're not currently married guarantee a lot of the information we're going to talk about translates to like friendships and platonic relationships and it's just there's going to be so many nuggets so thank you for sharing that part of your story um so I know that you mentioned just from like what you've shared with me I know that you focus on you know mindset communication how did you find yourself I guess going down that specific path because there's so many parts of relationships you can dive into right so like how did you how did you land on mindset and communication for sure yeah there's two main like camps in the couples therapy world one is the emotion camp like it's all about emotions identifying emotions expressing emotions building that emotional bond with your partner and that's emotion focused therapy And then the other camp in couples therapy is Gottman therapy. And that's very behavioral focused, like don't get defensive, don't criticize your partner, go on dates, um, that type of thing, like change your behavior and that will change your relationship. And while I see so much value in both of those, and honestly, like they're both amazing and they both work. In my experience, if you don't work on the mindset first, you're just working on symptoms and not the root cause. You can go on, you know, weekly dates with your spouse and not get defensive verbally. But if your mindset is negative towards your spouse, then, you know, going out to dinner and a movie is not going to heal that. Um, And so it's something that I've seen that really ends up moving the needle in my work with my clients is once we're able to identify what their mindset is about their spouse, about their relationship, and work on that, then the other stuff flows so much easier and it sticks. So it sounds like mindset is really kind of the the place to start. That's the foundation. And then everything from there kind of has more space to be in flow and more space to change. Um, Yeah, because I agree if like you're, if you're the way you view your relationship or whatever's coming up for for you in your relationship, if if your thoughts and the way that you're, you're viewing it isn't, you know, positive or in a good light, then it's probably not going to be that enjoyable. I'd be curious, like, what are some of the mindset challenges that you do see couples facing in their relationships? What are some of the most common ones? 
Yeah, I would say the top three are mind reading, assumptions, and overgeneralization. And I'll go into each of those if that's okay. So yeah, mind reading, either thinking that you can read your spouse's mind. I mean, and I don't mean this in like a, you think that you have like telekinesis or something, but like you think you know what your spouse is thinking or what they're going to do. And the reverse is true too. Like you think your spouse should know what you're thinking or feeling without ever actually expressing it. Like I had a client the other day say these exact words and I've heard them so many times. They should just know that I want fill in the blank, right? So that's a mindset problem. Next is assumptions. So assuming that your spouse understands what you're saying or assuming that your spouse would think the same way that you're thinking or assuming that because this happened, the next thing will happen, you know, and it really just is like you're, we fill in gaps that aren't actually there with our assumptions. And that creates a lot of miscommunication, hurt feelings, that type of thing. And then the last one is overgeneralizing. We take one negative event that we've had with our partner and then we use that as like a light to cast on every other experience we have with them. And it's usually in a negative way. We usually don't overgeneralize positive things as humans, but I mean, it'd be great if we did. Um, but thinking like, you know, my spouse rejected me in this one way. So then they're always going to reject me. So I'm not going to try anymore. Um, so those are usually the three that come up first that were that I'm able to identify first with my clients that are most common. Yeah, I could see those all being really common and really important to talk about. And it sounds like really communication is so important, especially with the mm-hmm. mind reading. It's like if one person is kind of, uh, they're basically assuming it kind of like the, the mm-hmm. first challenge leads to the second challenge, potentially, if they're not you know, communicating as yeah. best as they could be. So yeah, I can For definitely sure. see those challenges. Yeah. And, and mindset is really like the root of contention and disconnection. And it's hard to communicate about these things if you're not even aware of your thoughts and your mindset. So that's where I think people, they're communicate, they're trying to improve their communication, but they're not improving their awareness of their thoughts. So then the communication doesn't actually get any better because our thoughts are the roots of our feelings and then our words. So yeah, it's all yeah. this just beautiful cycle. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really, it's really important. I'm, I'd be curious, do you find that a lot of your couples the first time that they're going to therapy is with you or have they gone to therapy by themselves before and then they're coming to you for couples therapy? I'd say of the couples I've worked with, maybe 25% have gone to couples therapy before. And probably 80% of my couples have one or the other, both have gone to individual therapy. I think part of it is that like people who are willing to go to individual therapy are more likely to be going to couples therapy because they have less stigma about therapy or they've had a good experience. And then I was just looking up this statistic the other day, and probably 50% of my clients, my couples therapy clients, one or both end up doing individual therapy after we're done with couples therapy. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess kind of it's that you touched on a little bit, but the stigma, I feel like for a couple to go to therapy, it takes a lot of courage to just be able to go and have those hard conversations and work on your mindset and work on your communication as, as a unit. Um, so yeah, I was just curious, like, are these, are, are those 
clients typically already going to therapy and then they're kind of taking that next step or that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And even with, I mean, I see individuals too. And a lot of times we end up talking about their relationships or their marriage, even if their spouse isn't there, but just because it has such a huge impact on our mental health and our physical health and emotional health. They're all so connected. If someone were listening today and they wanted to kind of bring some positive mindset into their relationships, what are some ways that they can start practicing that positive mindset? Yeah, I am am a very visual person. So I think it's really helpful to visualize your mindset. So like imagine your thoughts as like a spreadsheet, just this huge spreadsheet we have between like seven and 40,000 thoughts a day. I mean, I know that's a huge range, but there's really, I mean, it's hard to collect data on that, but that's what they say between seven and 40,000. So imagine this huge spreadsheet and then that like each thought is categorized, like all the negative thoughts are red, neutral thoughts are yellow, and then like the positive thoughts are green. And just take a moment of self-reflection. I always tell my clients to do this and think like, what color would your spreadsheet be? Would it be all red? Would it be all green? Would it be a mix? And the ideal ratio is you want five positive thoughts to every one negative thought. So if you think to yourself, like, oh, my partner's such an idiot, then try to come up with five positive things <laughs> to make up for that and retrain your brain to think in positive ways. Or if you make an assumption, then try to undo that by looking at, you know, facts and reality instead of assumptions. So I guess to summarize that, just get a good visual in your brain. Try to bring more awareness of your thoughts like, oh, today my spreadsheet was all red because I was in a bad mood and these were all the things that were influencing it. Or today my spreadsheet was all green and kind of thinking like, okay, what could I do to make my red spreadsheet more green? Yeah, I love that. I love the visual and then also kind of like the mindfulness aspect of it, like being really aware of your thoughts, um, both really important. And I know something that's also helpful when you're kind of experiencing those negative thoughts in general or in your relationship um it's just kind of checking in with how your how much like resource you have like have you Mm -hmm. eaten have you drank water today like are you did you get good sleep last night like what are your what are the factors that are contributing to the mindset you currently have and what Mm -hmm. can you do to you know alleviate those things because hangry is a real thing <laughs> you might be you might be like hungry and just and and tired and need a break or something and it's contributing to those negative thoughts um you know in or outside of your relationship but for sure and i think that really is like what self care is all about taking care of yourself so that it's easier to show up in your relationships in the way that you want to no one wants to be like this grumpy bump on a log in their marriage like i think we all want to be happy and enjoying our spouse and feeling all the romantic and connected emotions that come with being in love but yeah if the only thing we've eaten all day is like a protein bar eight hours ago our odds of having more negative thoughts are very high (laughs) and i know we spoke a little bit about uh, communication, you know, mindset first, and then communication comes into play as well. Um, would you say that the challenges that couples encounter are different when it comes to communication or would, are those kind of similar to those three from, from mindset that we talked about earlier? Yeah, they all kind of 
mixed together. So I would say like the three biggest communication errors that people, you know, engage in, and this comes from the Gottman therapy world is defensiveness, criticism, and the silent treatment. And all of those can be solved with mindset switches. So defensiveness, for example, usually comes because we are having a thought that like our partner is attacking us or that's not fair. Like they say something and then we have the thought that's not fair. And then we react defensively. It changes our tone and our body language, right? So learning how to suspend judgment, you know, just because my partner said something doesn't mean that the way I'm interpreting it is correct. Or noticing if you're assuming something, you know, your partner said these words and then did you put them through a filter that then assumptions get picked up. Um, The next would be criticism. That's a huge communication error that people use. They really, our intentions behind criticism are usually good. We want to improve the relationship, but um, they come out as a little intense. And then when we feel criticized, then we usually get defensive. So using I statements, and that usually comes down to feel, you have to reflect and go inward and notice your thoughts and feelings for you to be able to effectively use I statements and be able to say like, I feel sad when you fill in the blank, or I noticed this pattern in our relationship and it's affecting me in this way. And that's how we avoid criticism by just talking about ourselves instead of talking about the other person. And then the silent treatment, usually we justify in our mind why punishing our partner with our silence is okay. I think all of us know the silent treatment isn't good, that it's better to talk about things than to just, you know, be silent and grumpy for three days. But having the self-awareness to realize whatever thoughts and emotions you're having that are making you feel like this is okay. Um, And then being able to express those thoughts and feelings to your partner. And even if it has to be done in multiple sessions, because it's really hard for you to say those things and silence is easier, but regulating your emotions, which I know you talk so much about regulating your nervous system um, and sharing your feelings is really the antidote to the silent treatment. Yeah. Those are all three very important. I could, I could see how those would be challenges. Um, Yeah. And as you're kind of describing them, I was thinking of, you mentioned like nervous system regulation and kind of that fawn response potentially, or even Mm -hmm. freeze. If, when you get into that silent, that silent treatment, you kind of just might shut down or yeah. So really working with kind of how your pattern is like what your nervous system pattern is and being able to emotionally regulate is so important. And then there was something also from the, for, Oh yeah. From the first thing that you mentioned, it, it had me feeling uh that, that inner child, like really mm-hmm. nurturing that inner child. And oftentimes when, our partners or relationships, if people are say something to us, again, like you said, they're not trying to be like attacking most of the time when we're giving feedback, but sometimes it happens really working with that inner child and what that might bring up from like a past moment where something was said or something came out sideways and, and really meeting those deeper needs. I yeah yeah when I talk about criticism with my clients and we really get down into it and I ask them what did it remind you of when your partner criticized you a lot of times it's like it reminds me of when my parents when I wasn't getting in trouble as a kid and that's what it is they were like I felt inferior I felt like a little kid getting yelled at for doing something wrong um even if your spouse is so respectful and kind and such a good person it 
pokes at those little wounds we have inside of us from our childhood. And if someone today wanted to kind of improve their communication with some of their relationships, their partner, their friendships in, you know, conflict or disagreement or anything really, what what might be some tips that you might have for them for just kind of improving in that area? Yeah, I think one of the best things you can do is to reflect on and notice your own communication, the mindset, communication, behavior patterns. So I always have my clients like kind of fill out this sentence thing. So it's when I think blank, I say blank, then I do blank. Then my partner thinks blank and says blank and does blank. And you're kind of, if you're able to fill that out, you can, and then fill that out over multiple situations. You can identify this pattern of like, I think this, I have this certain mindset. Maybe I think I'm the victim here. And then I say something defensive and then I do the silent treatment and then my partner thinks you know, whatever they think, and then they have their reaction. And then that usually triggers the whole cycle to start over again. So someone could fill out that sentence, I think that would just give them a lot of really good insight and data to be able to improve their patterns and their communication and their mindset. Yeah, that exercise sounds so powerful. It's like really naming the pattern, really seeing Mm -hmm. the loop that you're in, if you're struggling, or if you're going through a challenge of some sort, like really seeing what's sparking it and what the cycle is and how you can improve it. Yeah. And and you'll probably notice the same cycles you have with your spouse and your friend and your boss and your mom and everybody. It usually is all the same, just kind of in a different outfit in different situations. Yeah. Amazing. And I also know that through your, you know, social channels, you have a, a lot of different resources, which we can definitely talk about too. Um, But you're always kind of talking about, and in your newsletter as well, like different like dates and different like fun activities and stuff. So I guess, is there any way that someone could get started with improving their mindset, their relationship through any of those resources that you provide? Yeah, for sure. Kind of like what we talked about. There's a lot of things that impact our mindset. So doing something like trying to have more fun with your spouse or having one-on-one time like on a date to be able to talk about something like this or a lot of times when we're doing something fun with our spouse we have a lot more fun positive nice thoughts and that can kind of fill up the love bank so yeah I have a I just launched an at-home date guide and it has 40 date ideas that are I, I planned them all out for you if there's most of them are free. A few of them need to buy things. I like give you the links and everything. Like it's all planned out for you to be able to do dates at home. And then I also have a whole course about mindset and marriage called the Mind and Marriage Makeover course. And it is like my baby, my pride and joy. I wish everyone on earth would do this course because it really, I walk, I hold your hand and walk you through how to figure out the specific thoughts that are hurting your marriage, how to change them, give you the activities and exercises to do. And it is, yeah, just, it was so fun to make. And I love it. Anytime someone joins the course, I'm like, I know this is going to transform their marriage. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. It looks amazing. Just kind of like reading about it. And I remember, I think the last time that we connected, you were just thinking about starting the course. So it's like super cool that now here it is. And I'm sure it's just filled with so much support and resources for people to receive from all of 
yeah, all of the tools that you provide. And if anyone was interested in signing up for that course, I'll definitely put the link in the show notes with a few other offers that you have as well. So that'll all be in the show notes. And then where are you primarily on Instagram for people to connect with you? Yes. Anyone can find me on Instagram. It's myfriend.thetherapist. And my website is myfriendthetherapist.com. Pretty much my friend, the therapist anywhere is, is where people can find me. Amazing. So I'll definitely put that all in the show notes as well. And then this is our, our final question. Yeah. So at the end of each guest episode, I'll ask this one question. What is one thing? And it could be literally be anything. It could be, you know, a podcast, a book, a person, a place, literally anything that is inspiring you right now. Yeah, when I read this question, I something came to my mind immediately. I went to the library with my daughter yesterday and we were walking out and she literally, she's two, and she literally stopped and smelled the flowers that were outside of the library. And I looked at her and I was like, I didn't even notice the flowers. Like, And she's here like getting on her hands and knees and like smelling the flowers. And kids and their mindfulness is just the most beautiful thing to me. I like feel like I might cry right now just thinking about it. But and I just am so inspired by my daughter's mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Amazing, oh. Chelsea. Thank you so much uh, for just sharing, you know, all of these tools. I got so much from this. I had so much fun with you. And yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you are moved or inspired, please share with me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me and I am so appreciative for your support in helping my podcast grow. If we aren't already connected on social media, head over to Instagram and TikTok and follow me at Ray the Semantic Coach. Make sure you check out the show notes of today's episode for links to freebies, opportunities to work with me, and ways we can stay connected outside of the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here, and I cannot wait to talk with you on our next episode of the Radiant Life Podcast.